Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I'm so glad you're here to uh, you're able to join us today as we're talking about the Marvels, uh, the latest entry into the MCU, and it is a divisive entry, but uh, we have lots to talk about with it. And I'm thrilled today to have two wonderful guests: one who is one who's been around and been a part of our show for a while, and one who's brand new. So welcome back, Mira, and welcome, Raven LaRue. I'm so glad to have you both. I'm so, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. We're happy to be very, here. <laughs> very excited for today's discussion. I, I am too. I am too. We have, a, I know there's going to be a lot to say about this one. Uh, with the Marvels, um, in case you weren't aware, the Marvels tells the story of Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, who has reclaimed her identity from the tyrannical Kree and taken revenge on the supreme intelligence. However, unintended consequences see her shouldering the burden of a destabilized universe when her duties send her to an anomalous wormhole linked to a Kree revolutionary. Her powers become entangled with two other superheroes to form the Marvels. And as always, this po- this podcast is rated S for spoilers. Um, but Raven, Mira, let's have at it. What did you think of the Marvels? I am, I'm, you know, a pretty, pretty committed, uh, MCU fan. Um, and I, and I am a little bit, uh, ambiguous on this one. I thought some parts of the film were like fabulous and there was a a handful of other parts that were just, I couldn't suspend my disbelief. They were, they were too ridiculous even for me. Um, so the parts I loved, I loved. And the parts that I was like, is this for real (laughs) exist in there too. I, I have to say I did adore this film. I really thought it was fun. Um, I have found that a lot of these movies are kind of struggling to find their identity in phase four and five because they're like, should we be serious? Should we be comical? How do we, you know, speak to our audiences and how do we speak to the many voices and faces and, you know, per, uh, attitudes in our audiences? So I feel like they're really struggling to find their landing. But for me, I think they should be fun. And I found this movie to be really fun. I do think there are some things that didn't work, but I don't blame that on the writers. And I certainly don't blame that on the director. I think it's um, dealing with Marvel and Disney as a studio in these unprecedented times has really affected the quality of these films. But I, I really did enjoy it. I, and I love I love Carol Danvers. I love Brie Larson playing Carol Danvers. So I, I, I thought it was good. It was fun. It is a lot of fun. I agree with that. I I am, I'm decidedly more mixed. I'm hoping that this conversation will help me land on one side of the fence or the other. I really am. Because I, again, you know, so much of what we like and don't like is personal preference. Like, let's say that mm-hmm. right Like it just yeah. is like yeah. this, is, especially when you're dealing with comedy, like comedy is such a strange animal that way. Like you could say, oh, this is the funniest movie in the world. And people stare blankly at it. Like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Um. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said, Raven, there, like the, this, this phases four and five have struggled to find their footing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I mean, can we, let's explore that a little bit. Cause I mean, what do you mean by that? I agree with that, but I want to know what you mean. Well, for me, I mean, and I think this is the intention, but phase four and five is relaunching Marvel because we're done with Tony and and uh, Iron Man and um, you know Cap and that that seg is done. We've done, we're done with Thanos, so we're bringing in new characters. So they're they've gone back to the formula from two thousand eight, which is to reintroduce new characters and give them backstory to set up a brand new thread, a new universe, a new new relationship amongst the heroes. So 
But this is, and I mean, this is just my opinion, but we're dealing with a very different culture than we were 10, 11 years ago. So they, I don't think the studio knows how to pander to a very diverse audience because Mm -hmm. the franchise for the last 10 years has been designed for white men. So, and I, and I, not, not to make it a race thing, but I don't think you can talk about Marvel and this new phase of Marvel and the introduction with all of these diverse characters without acknowledging the fact that this franchise was designed for white men and the white, the white male fandom. They didn't think of the female fandom when they were doing, you know, Iron Man, Captain America, um, even Black Widow, how sexualized was she for the mm-hmm. entire, the, for the entire duration of the franchise in phase one to three until the end when they start to acknowledge, hey, we made some mistakes. So I think when I say they're struggling to find their identity, they've introduced all these existing characters that exist in Marvel Comics. And I love it. Personally, I love it. It's great. But they didn't think about marketing. I really don't think that the studio and Disney thought about, okay, how is this going to land with our core fandom? And is our core fandom, do they have the critical thinking skills to absorb these new territories Mm. that we're entering so for marvel to find their footing they're still trying to be loyal to that core fan base but also introduce a new fan base and it's not working it's not working so there a lot of pandering is happening a lot of sacrifice for storytelling is happening um so that's what that's what i mean when i say that you know i guess i could be wrong but that's my take from it (laughs) Yeah, I, that's so interesting because I think too, it, my imagination tells me that they were just banking on the fandom being like Toronto Maple Leafs fans, right? Like they're in it no matter what, even if yeah. they're complaining and grumbling, they're still in it. Oh, yeah. what a comparison. Know, what a comparison. Why, why you got to go there? <laughs> but you know what Come I mean? On. Like I, th- I think they I were really mean. relying and banking on. Um, and I don't know that, I don't even know that they are, it's been fully conscious the the shift in thinking around um like a, a master plan around diversifying in order to match the audience in the world that's changed around us mm-hmm. um or if it's been more i don't know i mean i don't know this is all speculation um trying to be responsive in the moment and that's why it feels a little piecemeal and fractured because there hasn't been mm. uh, a big picture that carries it kind of through nobody thought ahead and went this is where we're going to end up so now let's let's work backwards on how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting that you, the, these things you're bringing up, I think are really interesting because there's a number of things to unpack. First of all, I agree hundred percent. Like you look back at early Marvel, the, the way it phase, phases one through three white men, um, the here, and, and it became a running joke, you know, is all white men having the same story. You know, uh, you can sub out Dr. Strange and drop in Tony Stark and, <laughs> exactly. and there you go. Yep. Um, Black Panther shook the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was Honest Trailers or something made a joke about it. And it was, it was, or somebody made a joke about online about how in Black Panther is such a limited screen time in Infinity War because nobody knew what a big, big deal he was going to be when they did Black mm-hmm. Panther. And I think that's probably a fair assessment because it was structure. The emphasis was, was white males. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of things I'm seeing with this phase because I, I actually there's a lot been a lot of this phase that I've liked. 
I don't want to pick it and say, you know, I think, I think Marvel fans, because Marvel became the pinnacle of pop culture, that's like it, in and Endgame is now the biggest film of all time. And, you know, it and Avatar go back and forth. And, um, but one of the things I see with this one is in their effort to tell stories that are more diverse, now they're telling everybody's stories all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think they've struggled to have, like, well, this was what I was thinking about this this morning. One of the things that the, that the first three phases had going for them is a clear bump. You, you knew the first phase was over with an Avengers film. And I'm not talking about focusing on who the characters are, but I'm saying yeah. we've got the story, then Avengers. We've got the story, then Avengers. And then Thanos becomes the big payoff. Mm -hmm. They're going, they said they were, they announced Kang was the big payoff when they started phase four. Yeah. And so there's this, so like phase four ended with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is a fantastic film and mm -hmm. thematically feels like a wrap up to where they were dealing with, but it still feel like, is it over? Like what? Oh, we just did this movie and then there's this, and then we, you need to watch this movie and they've got with Disney plus and with this, you've got the sheer volume of stories yeah. and they're, they're good stories, but like you said, like you said, Raven, they're cranking them out so fast. Yeah. And also I want to add to that with phase one, two, and three, there was one villain. There was one central yeah. villain that was a threat mm -hmm. to everybody. We're now dealing with multiverse incursions. Loki's the god of stories now, which is great. Loki was awesome, but Thanos, or not Thanos, sorry, Kang is a threat. But mm -hmm. let's be honest, and maybe it's just me because maybe I'm not smart enough to understand like time travel and like multiversal stuff, but I'm confused. I am confused. Yeah. I don't know what is going on half the time with these villains, but also there's no central villain to tie them together. So mm. when, when they introduced Cap, Iron Man, Thor, they were brought together by Nick Fury to, to form a team because Nick knew that space is about to be a problem. Yeah. When we meet Shang-Chi, when we introduce Shuri as the new Black Panther, um, finishing Carol's story, um, these are great stories, but who, who is the villain here? Who are we in these end credit scenes? End credit scenes, or sorry, uh, post-credit scenes used to be like a, what do you call them in books? An epilogue? Like an epilogue. Yeah. 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 The next, how we're going to tie this to the next person's story we're going to watch because there's that villain is still a threat. And it's like these little puzzle pieces that are coming together. Like if you put the, if you edited them all together, it would be like the little break in between how Cap connects to Thor and Thor connects to whatever. Mm -hmm. Now these post-credit scenes are just like little like trailers for, ooh, someone else is doing the universe. It's hard to follow. Yes. So I don't think that this phase is bad. I think that Disney as a studio is very greedy. They are asking a lot for less and their expectations are very high and they're overworking the VX, VFX departments. Yeah. They're using way too much CGI. They're sacrificing that for story and they lost the plot. Even Bob Iger said, we lost the plot because they got a little too greedy. So um, Fortune, I actually wrote this down, guys. Like I came prepared with this, but Fortune uh, talked about, um, it's a blog. I just discovered it. <laughs> um, but they talked about how like the original Marvel formula was created because the first Marvel movie came out, or sorry, was in production just before the, the writer's strike in 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to wrap up this script 
Um, and then in the last moments, Feige and Favreau said, okay, we have, we need a formula because, you know, when we don't have time, then we need to figure out how we're going to adjust to make these movies. So this was their formula, guys, okay? So any planned, long-term planned ideas get scrapped if a better idea comes along. Special effects can be used if it's a reflection of the character. If they're up against a deadline, CG, CGI was the best solution for any problem. So Fortune argues that the CGI thing has, be, has become their crutch now. And that's why I think we're seeing in phase four and five that this is that we're seeing story being sacrificed because mm -hmm. they've used this formula to save Iron Man 1 now as like the foundation of how Marvel movies get made. Hmm. And, and you know, just to, to go alongside that, you know, a, again, it's tough because phase one through three really worked and it was clear. It was clear mm -hmm. what was going on. You know, you could tell that Avengers was an experiment. Like we've yeah. got four films and now we've, but we're building to Loki in the Battle of New York. And then it's like, wow, this is working. Let's tack on Thanos and come up with a plan for the next 10 years. Fine. That's great. That's working really well. Um, but, you know, you talk about the, the formula. What you also had because of this was more time with your characters. Yeah. So they had some one-offs. They did have some one-offs in those phases, but even Ant-Man got two movies. Doctor Strange had a solo one. Black Panther came in at the end, had a solo one. Spider-Man had a solo one, but they were all in phase three. They were all coming. Mm -hmm. We knew. So Iron Man shows up in Spider-Man. You were more excited to see Iron Man in some ways than you were Tom Holland because mm -hmm. we knew him. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's a good point. We have that. We have that built relationship with these characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, actually, that was one thing, you know, going to the Marvels, I think that's one thing that we had going for the Marvels is that if you've kept up with it, and I use that with a huge asterisk, because if you've kept up with it, if you missed a show, you're out. But um, if you've kept up with it, you know, Miss Mar or uh, Kamala, ha um, Kamala Harris, Kamala no, Harris. not Kamala Harris, Kamala uh, she, she shows up. President Kamala Harris. No, what? Not vice oh, president. You didn't see her? Oh, she's in, she's in the end credit scene. Why did I um, miss that? Yeah. Kamala Khan shows up and we know her. We know yeah. her a little yeah. bit. We've at least spent some time with her. Captain Marvel, we haven't seen in several years. Mm. Um, so some of the, and, and so many, that's what I mean. There's so many products firing out at you and it's sort of like one passes the baton to the other sometimes, and it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's like, okay, but, but I, I'm just getting to know this person. I like this person. Loki uh, is the only MCU show to get two seasons. The only one. I know. Yeah. And, and we already knew him when it started. Yeah. But like, I felt like at the end of Loki season two, like, my gosh, we we've we we've seen growth in him because we've we've watched it. Mm -hmm. um, so so I would maybe argue that we didn't know him until the shows, because what we saw well, was the sure. surface and output, right? But then you you get to know him through the two seasons of Loki. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's interesting because again, like the 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 first three phases, we spent a lot of time with some of these characters. And, and yeah. yes, white men, I get it. That's I, I, I'm all for the diversity. I think it absolutely is wonderful that they're exploring so many different corners of the universe in uh, different characters, but we got to spend some time with them. Yeah. Spend some time. I do want to say though, for Miss Captain Marvel, um, 
I don't think the issue is that we didn't spend enough time with Carol. Mm. I think that there was too much space between her first movie and her second movie. Yeah. Because mm. if you actually go back and it's actually very sad if you think about Carol's story from first movie to second movie. Mm. Carol, we were, we knew her personality in the first movie from the flashbacks. She was fun. She was the great friend. She was a good time. She was strong. She never gave up. She had that tenacity. But then her life was taken from her. And that movie was her remembering who she is, taking down the bad guy, and then recovering her memories. And then what happens? Okay, she's in space. She's trying to, you know, help fix space, figure out who she is, remember who she is. And she gets a call from Fury. Years later, we need your help. From the time that Carol was taken from her life to uh, recovering who she is, she's traumatized. She's broken. She doesn't know how to connect with she doesn't feel like she has the right to go home first of all but she's learning how to be a hero in space we don't get to see that carol danvers is the protector of the universe she really is so powerful not a lot of people can beat carol danvers so um in the second movie i think because we saw her in endgame and the other marvel movies kind of showing up to take out thanos we didn't get to see carol's trauma so now in the second movie we see that, okay, she's reconnecting with um, mm-hmm. Photon. I can't remember Photon's actual character name. Played Monica by the- Rambo. Monica, Monica Rambo, thank you. Mm-hmm. Played by Tiona Paris. Um, she's now seeing her for the first time and she's still trying to recover her memory. She's still trying to recover who yeah. she is. We're getting a version of Captain Marvel that's like still shook and also overwhelmed. She's a very overwhelmed hero in this movie. But so I feel like her character development and growth to where she started to how this movie ends actually is very good. But Mm. the problem is, like you said, Steve, we didn't get to see that. Mm. We don't get to connect with her in that way. And unless you are a reader of Marvel comics and a fan of Captain Marvel, I think as a a friend of the source material, of course, you're going to have that like bleeding heart, right? But if you are just someone who's watching the movies and hasn't seen Captain Marvel for the last, you know, however many years her first movie came out, except for when she was fighting with, you know, the gang in Endgame, of course it's hard to sympathize with her. But so like you said, you need to watch the movie, you need to watch Captain Marvel the first one again, or any type of source material that includes Captain Marvel to really appreciate um, the Marvels, if, if for her storyline, I mean. Oh, Raven, you just hit the nail on the head. That fills in the gap for me because the, what I, the comment I was going to make, which I'm now going to modify thanks to the insight that you've added, is I was going to say they're also trying to cram every kind of um, genre into each of the characters, right? So like some of the things I loved about this movie is I loved the interaction of the three yes. uh, female characters, right? Yeah. Monica, yeah. Rambo, so Marvel, good. Captain so Marvel, good. loved it. Every time the three of them were together, I was like, this is pretty rocking. Um, but also some of the like humor, I was like, that's not like in the Carol Danvers that I know from only having watched the films mm-hmm. and not being connected to the source material and and full disclosure, also having not watched Ms. Marvel, the series, which I think is detrimental to my understanding coming into the movie. Um I was like, I was like, this isn't the personality or the character that I am familiar with or I'm aware of. So I'm like, why is she trying to be funny? That's weird. <laughs> really fit, right? Yeah. Um, are they just trying to, you know, everybody's got to be a comedian now because that worked for Thor? Like, what's going on? Um, but I think the the insight now is actually there's been a ton of character development, but yeah. it's not accessible if you're not connecting to the source material, if you're not revisiting or kind of bringing those 
intentionally bringing those things above the surface to connect them. And so what we're actually seeing is her growth and development and stepping, it's not even stepping back into her old self because her old self doesn't exist anymore either. It's mm. reintegrating her, her new self with the um, lost identity and the recovery of initial identity. And those need to be integrated into who she is now. Exactly. And that's what we're seeing. But if you didn't know that or realize that or aren't able to follow that into your point, the trauma and the trauma recovery and the, the pace of that, you're like, who, I don't get it. Who is this? What's going on here? So I, that was like a good insight. Thank you. <laughs> and that was part of the magic of the Avengers. The first one, the first one, because it had never been done before. Not, not that it, not, not that that was the map, but what, what had never been yeah. done before you took, you took these individual characters with their individual character arcs and threw them in a room together. Mm -hmm. But if you just watch the Avengers, like it's a fun ride. Yeah. But like Tony's, Tony's relationship to cap is, is set up because you watched it and there's only five films, four films before it, maybe mm -hmm. five. Um, and so like with the Marvels, I thought there was actually a seeds of that magic. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd spent like, even, even Tayona Paris's uh, character, like that arc, if you haven't seen WandaVision, mm -hmm. like they just throw it in there and they just say, oh yeah, I was and walked through a wall of a witch hex. Like if you're new to this, yeah. you're, like, what? you're yeah. like, what? And, 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 and um, Kamala saying, oh, I time traveled. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, how do you know it can do that? Oh, I did it before. If you haven't, there's now such yeah. a gambit of things with no, with so many stories. And at least with the, with phase one, two, three, even if they branched off to take a Loki reference, if there was a bit of a branch, they always tied back in. And there hasn't been that tie in because, and I guess that's part of this phase is all the sacred timelines, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But, but I think that's, that definitely affected this film because it could have really like i said i i like what you're saying there raven i think we haven't spent enough time with Bree's story and it's her movie <laughs> like, yeah. yeah and um, Bree promised to become the face of the franchise and they fumbled this so hard because what i would love to see in my own little universe in my little mental universe i would love to see captain marvel in like real life take on tony stark i know he's dead he's not coming back but i would love to see these two just go at it because tony as we if you guys read tony in the comics we know anytime tony stark shows up everything becomes exponentially worse mm -hmm. and you know brie is very someone is someone a leader with a sense of justice and she's always going to make sacrifices to do the right thing um but her versus tony i just feel like would have been really great like great to watch you know, I would love to see the franchise be built around these two ideologies and these two kind of go at it, but that'll never happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, except for part, of, I think part of the point of, or the value of the multiverse and the fracturing is never say never. It's just an alternate universe. <laughs> they gave him such an arc. I don't, I, I, I'm all for like cameos and all that stuff, but I don't, I, you know, I would love to see that too, Raven, but I also wouldn't. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, I don't want, I, I want Downey to show up in, for, you know, show up for five minutes in whatever the multiverse, whatever it is, the secret wars, and just, you know, look at the camera and then do something cool. That's all I want. Like, come in and say hi. I don't even want that. You want that? No, oh. I I think their their stories are done and they were done beautifully. Should Tony have been the one to do the snap? No, but for storytelling, I guess he needed to be. 
Um, I think that was the worst thing to do was make him do the snap, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, but like, you know, I don't think that I want to see these guys. I know they're going to come back because Marvel's Marvel is scrambling right now. Um, mm -hmm. But going back to something you mentioned earlier about the introduction of Black Panther. Here's my attitude about this. Everybody was so happy to see Black Panther because the Marvel universe was not built around Black Panther. The big issue with the core fan base is that white men who have been who've been growing with the franchise feel like they have the authority on the franchise because it was designed for them so of course they're happy to see one diverse character show up but to have phase four and five be built around all characters that are not white this is pissing them off they don't like it because they're not at the center of this franchise anymore so when i talk about toxic fandom especially with the marvels I don't think the Marvel stood a chance because even before the movie came out, the fandom was already on their negative stuff about this film. And I, I kind of want to segue into the, the attitude about it being a flop and the lack of journalistic integrity, I feel like, with all of these blogs that, that you know, write about pop culture and Marvel cinema and all of that, because they're calling it, even before the movie came out, the, the fandom I felt like was just expecting this movie to fail. And mm -hmm. is it because of Brie Larson, is it because it's a female-led film? Maybe, but I also think it's because they don't like that they are not at the center of this franchise anymore. Yeah. And what doesn't make sense to me, because if you're looking at Marvel, Shang-Chi's a real character. Like, Miss Marvel's a real character. The source material is there, guys. You don't want to see these people come to life on screen? So it's because they're not at the center of this franchise anymore. So even mm -hmm. when this movie came out, all of that toxicity was bleeding into the movie. Then we get a writer's strike. We get a the SAG, the SAG actor strike and the writer's strike. There's no press for the movie. So now that they're really, they're really sinking because there's no press tour for this film. Okay. The actor strike ends after the movie comes out, then they can, now they can do press. But now they're facing the whole, it was a mm -hmm. flop. We did 167 million in the box office. That is not a flop. It's a loss for the studio. 220 million it took to make the movie to earn 167 million. That's not a flop. 16 million is a flop, not 167 million. But yet you have all of these these like news sources writing about this as the narrative of this movie. Nobody wanted this movie to win. Yeah. As we've discussed, there are really valid points to why this movie wasn't great. But it's not a bad movie. It's not mm -hmm. a bad movie. And unfortunately, the fandom, the narrative that has become Marvel, you know, scattering, not knowing who to appeal to, not not knowing how to, you know, really make these movies stick anymore. There's a lot of things at play here, but the only people that suffer truly are the women. There's only been four female directors for Marvel movies in the 33 movies that have been made. Two of them are women of color. Okay. So in my in my humble opinion, I feel like this movie didn't stand a chance. And even if you wanted to go in and just enjoy a movie, you couldn't have because the narrative publicly has all been negative. I, I just feel so bad because the because really, if you're going in non-biased, you could really enjoy the relationship and the chemistry between the girls, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could enjoy maybe the silliness that was that musical scene because it's just a movie, but this movie didn't get to be just a movie, right? It had to be yeah. a political statement. It had yeah. to be a, another stain on phase four and five. I, I just, I feel bad. I feel bad for them all. It's interesting. Go ahead, oh, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, go ahead. 
I was going to say, it's interesting that you call out like female directors as well. Cause the Eternals was another one, which I loved that movie. And it also like just was critiqued very harshly um, mm. and, and very uh, unloved. And I thought it was beautiful actually. Um, but there's another woman of color who was the, uh, the director of that film. So I didn't make those connections, but it's interesting. Um, I will say too, the only thing I was going to say is everybody that I've talked to. So again, I kind of came out mixed. And to be honest, the musical scene is one of the things that I thought was like ridiculous and, and <laughs> over the top, um, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is kind of nuts because actually I love dance. Like dance is one of my favorite things in this world, but I was like, no, this doesn't fit here. It's a bit ridiculous. Or that joke about like, he's bilingual. I was like, wow, that was really dumb. But, um, so that part like didn't land well for me, but everybody I've talked to about the film since I saw it, um, has only had positive things to say. So everybody that's like, oh yeah, I saw it. It was really great. Uh, and I was like, oh, you think so? I'm like, I thought it was okay. They're like, what do you mean? Okay. It was so awesome. And, uh, so I've been surprised by that. Cause to your point, the, the public narrative is quite negative around it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy to hear people are liking it. <laughs> it, it. That's what I mean. It is divisive. Like, it's very funny. Like, I know some people that think I loved it. And I know some people that said it is gutter trash. Like, it is just like the, the gamut yeah. of this one. And the drop off, like, I think it, I think it had a 78% drop in its second weekend. Is yeah. Like, the, the Marvel yeah. record prior to that was Doctor Strange at 54%. This is better than the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. I didn't like that one at I all. Hard agree. Yeah. Um, but... See, I, I'm so torn because I, first of all, I agree with you, Raven, everything you said there, because I think that with this particular one, it was fighting an uphill battle. And let's remember that the first Marvel film, really, I think the first one to be review bombed was Captain Marvel. Uh, it was. It was absolutely. It was like, oh, we now we need a female hero. Yes. Yes, yes we do. We definitely uh, do, guys. I agree. Female heroes exist in the Marvel comics, so I don't know why you think we would only be making comics with men at the center. Who yeah. wants this audience is not ready for X-Men? I'm telling you that right now. They are not ready for X-Men. They don't have the sensibilities for it. Which is funny because X-Men's been around for I mean X-Men's been around oh, for the first film was two thousand. So it's not like anyway, but that's doesn't but 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 X-Men also had it like a, a cinematic connection. So for Marvel it was comics then movies now shows and movies hmm. um x-men though was comics tv show reboot of the tv show and then movies, movies. that's so a good point yeah it's, you're right. it's a little bit more yeah, yeah a step kind of in those directions yeah I, I will say this. I adored the three of them together. I wanted more mm. of that. I want, like, this is why I say I'm split on the film because there were things I like. I thought DaCosta directed the heck out of it. I thought, I thought her, she knows her way around an action scene. And yeah. like, yes. I thought they did that scene where they were morphing in and out. That first oh, scene. Oh, so fantastic. tight. Yeah. So tight. Fantastic. So yeah, good. Really I, I was, was like cheering. I'm like, yeah, kick yeah. her I agree. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. So good. So yeah. good. Um, the things I didn't like, again, are personal choice. I didn't like the dance scene. I didn't like the flurkins. They're flurkins, right? The cats. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was thinking about this morning too. I thought I think I and this is again. I'm not the guy who made the film. I'm not in the editing room. But like, I thought, you know, you slowed it down too. like, you could have made this given it the fury that you gave it, it for, but by playing and I get it, it's from cats, but by playing memory in the background, it actually slows the scene down. 
Like yeah. I know Captain Marvel playing I'm just a girl. Like it okay, it was a little on the nose, but like nose. It, yeah. but but it had the pop. Like it had the pop. Like mm -hmm. if you'd made that scene as wacky as it could have been, as mm -hmm. opposed to then it might have worked better. But the song and dance, I didn't I said to you before, Raven, we were talking on the phone. I didn't think it was earned. Like in Marvels, like they when when they had the Bollywood scene in Marvels, they it made sense. It made sense. You mean okay. in um, you mean oh, in, in um, uh, Eternals in Eternals, yes. and I know there's lots of criticism for the Eternals. I liked it a lot too, but in that scene, it actually made sense. He's making a Bollywood film. We're doing a Bollywood number. Yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah. this one, it was like, you know what would be funny if they sang and that was their language, and it was just yeah. it, to me, it didn't. To me, it didn't land. That's why yeah. it didn't earn it. Yeah. But I felt like this one was hacked to, hacked to pieces in the editing room, which is why, which like there was so much that could have been done. And I can't believe I'm saying this because we actually got a movie that was under two hours. I think it should have been longer. Me too. Um, I totally agree with you there. It definitely should have had a longer runtime. Again, yeah. like we've talked it about that relationship. Like mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe if they focused on the building of the relationships, it didn't, maybe. So the two parts that I also were like, really, it was ridiculous. Like I mentioned was the, the dancing planet and the musical scene um, and the cats as well. I was like, oh, this is just like, it's, it's fun and interesting when it's one cat and you're like, oh, that's how Nick Fury got his look. Right. Yeah. But then when it's a bunch of, I, I like that just didn't, it felt too far reaching for me and I didn't kind of buy into it. Um, so because of those parts, the movie felt like I don't think I could have handled more time with the way that it was it was running. Um, yeah, but I think because uh, I will say the other thing that I thought was really cool and I think unique to not only a diverse um, uh, cast, but also a fully female led kind of okay. heroes yeah. um, was how quickly they got to cooperation. Like if you compare them to the Avengers right the avengers even it was almost co-opetition even at the end as opposed to mm. co-op right that, i like that I like that word yeah Did you just like, coin that word That's no a good i wish word. I, I wish i had no I've, I've heard it before but oh. you know what i mean like and it was a little bit of like the oh look at me i fight better than you so there was still uh, a competition within the way the avengers were cooperating Mm -hmm. um, but the women in the Marvels, like they got there so much faster. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved like the montage of just them learning to use their powers in unison. Amen. In addition to like the kick-ass fight scenes, because those were so neat with the switching and the, yeah. Yeah. And when, can, I, can I segue to Nick Fury for a second though? I felt like I love Nick Fury. He's great. But what was the point of Secret Invasion this summer? Because I don't know who that Nick Fury was in the movie, because that wasn't Nick Fury, who's a spy underground in Secret Invasion and the scrolls have taken over government. Not that that necessarily needed to be a part of the plot, but wouldn't that kind of make sense to bring it up? Or maybe yeah. I just I just felt like Secret Invasion didn't happen. Yeah. Also, to the people who say this is a flop, all the writers who say it's a flop, Secret Invasion took two hundred million to make, so I don't think it made one hundred sixty-seven million. Um, one weekend, yeah, of earnings. So in one weekend, so I just felt like what was Nick? Just felt like a I don't even know who that Nick was. He was unrecognizable to me. Steve, do you know? I'm wondering if because of the writer's strike and the SAG actress strike, if they reversed the order of release. Because remember that was WandaVision and, and Falcon and the That's Winter how Soldier. the pandemic changed that. Yes. Uh I haven't heard anything with this. Although okay. actually, 
I think I, I would have to go back and check, but I know yeah. that there's been fallout from the Iger rehiring. Okay. So that happened last year when Chapek was ousted in in the middle of the night. Like I think the news broke oh. at eleven p.m. Like it was it, I, it was so late that I said to I said to my wife I said there's going to be some scandal that comes out that we find out later, but there wasn't. They just were like, "You're done." Yeah. And and they brought in Iger, and I know one of the things that Iger did is he slowed down the movie releases because the big complaint was there's just too much. It's too yeah. much. Possible. It's possible, but I don't know. I think that this was supposed to come out in August. But that I may be then. Mm-hmm. That could be the answer to the the like fracture of the Nick Fury situation. Because there was a couple things between One Division and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I remember, but I was like, this doesn't yeah. make sense. And it was like, oh, they they reversed the order of release. It would have made sense if it was the other way around. It yes, was. That- uh, Yes. Uh, uh, what's her name from Seinfeld? Julie Louis Dreyfus's introduction seemed awkward. In that's that right. One, as opposed to because it, yeah, it was weirdly yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, that was a big thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There, it, it, but that, but WandaVision was ready first. And, right, and and it was a great. Uh, anyways, it, it was a more powerful, I think, launch into them doing TV serials. But um, I'm just wondering if maybe that's the impact of the character, like the Nick being different than the, how he was built up to be. Mm-hmm. And then if that also, cause it was also released at the same time as Loki season two. Right. So same date. Am I, am I remembering that right? No, no it ended. It ended. It yeah. Ended the same day as Loki. Okay. Uh, so Loki. Yeah. And there were supposed to be like two other series released this year. Right. Mm-hmm. They pushed echo to January and they were going to do X-Men 97 um the the reboot of your favorite show of all time here uh they were gonna do that and and what if that's three shows what if was good oh what if is still coming this year but yeah december December 22nd yeah 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 so there again like you when Iger took over they went whoa 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 let's let's pump the brakes a little bit and i think part of that is the pandemic like like we were so bored Like, yeah. Wanted, yeah. Give me, give me more stuff, and 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 we need the content. And Disney Plus, I think Disney Plus launched in November of nineteen, mm-hmm. so it was like yeah. brand new, or yeah. it might have been November eighteen, but I think it was November nineteen. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you know, yeah, I, I think it's actually a smart call to slow down, though. To be honest, to a lot of the points that we even made earlier, right? Is where we've sacrificed storytelling, we've sacrificed and. Like we've changed as like, I think our physiology has even shifted with all of the media that we're uh, consuming, how quickly we're consuming it. Like how often I'm certainly guilty of like uh, scanning social media on my phone while I'm trying to watch something on the TV. Well, like I've just kind of been super scattered and, and, and made my interactions like confetti. I'm very bad at monotasking, even though that's the way our brains are ideally um, set up. But I wonder if it's a very smart move on Iger's part to slow things down so that we actually have time not just to consume, but to appreciate and like work through before we pick up the next piece, right? Like if we're crunching through it like candy, then we're not actually getting a chance to let it sit and make sense, think about it, talk about it, any of those things. I think um, now that we've kind of talked this out, I think I'm going to backtrack for a second. Now, I don't know. Can't do it. No, Can't do it. Oh, no. <laughs> if, 
it's it's gospel now it's That's gospel it. now <laughs> um but i think that to be honest the amount that they're pumping out isn't necessarily the problem mm-hmm. it's the way they're doing it sure if we have one too many threats we can't get invested in them yeah. everybody's doing their own thing which could be fine if like in phase one to three we were all moving towards the same goal the same threat yeah. but we've got way too many things to go on to care about and it's just hard to care when you're being bombarded you're getting that fatigue so i don't Mm. think it's necessarily marvel fatigue i love i love marvel comics so i will watch anything they put out till i die you know i've been doing this since i was like 17 so it's just that the storytelling has been sacrificed disney as a as a studio in marvel i think they're butting heads i know they should they fired some of the showrunners for different shows they've been cutting corners I think that's just ultimately it's been a sacrifice of storytelling, greed, mm. and asking for a lot more for way less. I mean, the VFX, the VFX um, department at Disney is are unionizing now. So, like, what does that tell you? They're overworked. They're tired. They're underpaid. Nobody mm. cares. The the love, the labor of love that made Marvel so special isn't there, and we're mm. starting to dissipate into DC problems. So mm. like, we we used to be the top of the food chain. Now we're like just literally giving away crap so i think that um it's not so much the amount but there's no unified mind here yeah um which is exactly what you said up front so you didn't i guess what i'm wondering is if the slowdown will give them room to make changes well everything's being postponed to 2025 yeah so who knows but now blade's going through re rewrites uh apparently kang they're thinking about writing out kang which is absurd like absurd i don't know what jonathan majors did because i think he was acquitted but it's still going on oh it's still ongoing okay because i thought that it came at that you know you know she had said that this didn't happen this isn't what went down but maybe not i I don't know but either way like use the multiversal storyline to recast him don't get rid of kang are you crazy this is good. You might as well just quit now. You can't save this. We're too deep into the Kang Conqueror storyline. We've got what four movies now with him, plus Loki. Like, I don't know why they can't recast. I, I honestly don't. I mean, I they've already established that different people can be different things in different stories. But like, just bur- like why you got to burn? If they if what? they burned like- him, if they burn not the actor, if they burn the character, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then what have we done the last three years? <laughs> so what was the point? Yeah. Because I think he, he was intended to be the unifying villain, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. And I think, listen, soap operas have been doing it since the dawn of soap operas. And nobody <laughs> better than I. You know, one character is suddenly played by a new actor. And at first you're like, oh, this is weird. And then everybody's like, okay, that's the character now. Like, I, yeah. They did, they did it here. Yeah. yeah. They did it to Hulk and they did it to uh, Rhodey. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, they did. You're right. Two times. Yeah. So just recast him. Just yeah. recast and move on like like um, if that yeah if, if the reason they're considering dropping it is because of the actor they have alternatives mm-hmm. they can cast yeah he's you great to watch, but not worth the sacrifice so just mm-hmm. bring, bring somebody else in and raven I'll, I'll add something to what you were saying there too um we are we are now i don't know what however many two things first of all how i don't know however many movies we're into phase four and five 30, and, oh yeah, and there's a giant hand reaching out of the polar ice caps and nobody's addressed it. it oh say, my that's, god, right? Not like, a single and that and white vision. Are we yeah. supposed to keep white vision now? 
Well, okay, but I'm okay with that because you that felt like a story you're going to come back to. And this is just like a handout there and nobody's noticed. Like it's yeah, like yeah. it's but and here's the other thing too. You said that they pushed everything back to 2025. Let's think about this for a moment. The entire arc for Thanos took 11 years and now you're trying to do it in 5. Yeah. And doing 5. You earned it before. Don't you yeah. like, but the problem, the, I mean, there's other problems too. Like people just want to get right to the, right to the big stuff now because yep. we had that with Endgame. But I do think that there's a, those are problems. I, but I, I also think there's been good content. Like mm -hmm. it hasn't all been trash. There's been things I liked more than others, but they hasn't all been trash. There's been some really great stuff. Um, Wakanda forever is incredible. Awesome. Um, just incredible film. Oscar nominated. <laughs> um, yeah um was the spider-man uh no way home incredible mm -hmm. film um yeah, i really enjoyed that too there's been wandavision i still think that's like peak oh, incredible it's incredible yeah. um but I, you know and, and it's interesting okay okay I'm, I'm gonna cycle way back here because <laughs> something that we we were talking about before i i like the how you address the the trio in this film because i think the trio of this film is the soul of the film are yeah like they're the way that they come together i think is just their scenes i wanted more of that me too that's what i wanted more of i you know yeah. you, you can give me all the people eating cats you want but mm -hmm. that was the bedrock and i think that um it it showed you and i we've already talked about this a little bit but i mean i talked about the power of of together and not only female certainly female led together so obviously you know hi boy um <laughs> didn't really understand uh, connected but i i appreciated it i was like this is this is beautiful this is this is what the film needs to be yeah um, and it's, and it's so different we're... go ahead raven mm -hmm. sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no. um it's the first time we're demonstrating female leadership as superheroes mm -hmm. i know that there was a big complaint when endgame when you had that montage of all the female heroes kind of pulling up on thanos or whatever um, but everyone, well, not everyone, but the, the, the pushback was that it wasn't earned. Some of those women hadn't even met. They don't know each other. Why would they all just kind of band together like that? It felt like you were pandering once again, because Marvel two way in the game realized, oh, we've created monsters of our fandom. They are a problem. And now we need to kind of backtrack. So having the Marvels be the kind of like the first female led film where they're mm -hmm. all heroes in their own strengths and their own tenacity and their own intelligence and their own skills come together um, and be lead and take down this villain who's also female, who has her own, we should talk about, we gotta talk about her too. We gotta get to that. Yeah. You know, they're fun, they're coming together. And what you said, Mira, they so quickly learned how to work together. And they learned how to work together so quickly because of the mutual respect, regardless of what was going on between um, Monica and Kat and um and Carol and their kind of history and then you know Kamala joining being like a fangirl of, of you know and also just wanting to be a hero right yeah. regardless of their own little issues and personality quirks they knew what was at stake and they respected each other first mm -hmm. to me that is that was overlooked in all of the reviews because there have been studies to show that show women just work together better in general mm -hmm. so having that 
and then having them not be in direct competition, not being malicious and just being leaders individually who come together and learn how to be leaders and put aside their own stuff. To me, that was a very beautiful statement. Regardless mm -hmm. if it was floppy or not, them showing that we are the first trio in Marvel to like be superheroes and we're leaders to make sacrifices. And there's like, there's no man at the center of this. That was awesome. And that's a really good image for female viewers, young little girls, especially when they dress up at Comic-Con, they have options now. And they don't just have options. They know that despite whatever an issue is, women are strong and they're smart and they can work together and they can work out their problems. And I, and I just think that was so well done, really well done. And I think that was the message of togetherness, that it wasn't forced. It was just natural because it comes natural to women as leaders. And, uh, and I, I thought that the other thing that was neat about that too, is like this, the supporting the circle around them that supported. So I think about like Kamala's family who mm -hmm. I love the way they were, oh, it was so great. perfect. Like they're so perfect. Cause you're like, yep. If that was for reals, that's exactly how a family would act. Like I feel it. I believe it. Um, it's not a random cat that just eats people for fun. Like I, I buy this part. Love right? them. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was also a really big piece to it too, which is also, I think, a paradigm shift and and um, significant in the way that uh, research tells us how kind of women interact and function, right? Is mm -hmm. that networks, although networking comes more naturally to men because the way society is set up patriarchally, but um, the way that women engage their networks and their support systems is different. And I thought that was also kind of laid out neatly in the film, right? So even in Carol's, um, so Kamala's family, we know they were a very like obvious and visible kind of part to that. But even in the way that Carol was having the flashbacks um, in her apprehension about reconnecting with Monica, you could see that that was her support system, right? They were, they were, um, that was where she drew her strength from in her original self before some of that, uh, that shuffle over. And I thought that was really neat that, that we got to see not only the three of them working together and women as the leads, but also the way, like the important part of building the community and the network around you that makes that possible i feel like this should be an episode just talking about like female-led movies throughout like the decades because there's so yeah. much they've evolved so much i think back when it. i was younger, the charlie's angels i know people kind of like hated that but i loved loved charlie's angels they were so fun and this was way this is a far worse time to have you know ladies in the box office leading a movie it was way yeah. harder back then in 1999 2000 like it yeah so I feel like there's yeah. a lot of there's stuff to be really dissected like the evolution of you know female women leading the box office <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it, it's funny I think uh, uh Heather you it, she's she's one of our team members and I remember her saying to me about um uh Black Widow the Black Widow movie mm -hmm. one of the things she liked was her hair I was like yeah not not Black Widow Yes, yeah, because yeah. It, she she's battle ready with her hair in yeah. that film, and I was like, I mean, again, male, oh never clued in. I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like even Wonder Woman, the hair flips. You know, like she's all and and Black Widow's always been like, whoosh, you know, when she's yeah. doing her things yeah. and stuff. But this was like, I'm here to actually go. Mm -hmm. It's been mm -hmm. a huge change, and yep. uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that hair. And and it's funny because we talked about it like with Heather and then it came up um, in a lot of the media posts around too, right? It's like nobody's going into battle with their hair all like wild and flowing. 
Yeah, exactly. Right? So the, the braided hair up uh, from Francis Pugh was a really big deal to yeah. kind of be like, this is a little bit more realistic and it's good to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we need to talk about the villain. Mm. The real. Yeah. Let's I... talk about her. I don't remember much about her. <laughs> please, please tell me what you think. I need to pull up the actress's name. Cause I, I think it's Asha. Yeah. Just uh, I know that she is Tom uh, Hiddleston's life partner, and I thought that yeah. was kind of funky. So they're both like in the box office at the same time. They both kind of play villain. Just, just some interesting pieces. One of the things that I will say that I thought was neat about this villain, she was a little bit understated. Uh, I, I'm like I'm d- down on that. If you compare her to like a Thanos or a Kang or any of those other villains, um, but what I thought was really more pronounced and more believable with her than say with a Thanos is that she really was um she just believed so strongly in her cause um and so she was driven to the point of her own destruction uh in support of the cause that she was uh driving behind right and her her planet her people the supreme intelligence that was destroyed like she was she was sacrificing herself for yeah. uh, for her cause. And the cause, like, I could connect to it. I had some empathy for her as a villain. Where Thanos is deciding we're going to deal with, like, sustainability and population problems by just, like, snapping out half of the world. I was like, eh, I'm not, like, I can't get, I can't get behind appreciating that perspective. Agree or disagree with it, right? So I disagree with her but I can appreciate her perspective, which I think was new for me in terms of a villain. Yeah. So uh, her name, her name's Darben. I had to look it up because I forgot the name and it played by Zalway Zal- Ashton, who's just awesome. I love Zalway Ashton. I love her. She's great, mm-hmm. great to watch. I feel like, first off, as a villain, um, this is where I have to speak a little negative about the film because everybody I know I know a lot of the critics were saying that she just there was no stakes in her as a villain I feel like if her story had ended differently people would have appreciated her so let's think about what really happened here Mm. Captain Marvel left her planet in destitute she was out for blood she thought that she was doing the right thing she like took out their their life source because like you know the career the bad guys and Mm. She wasn't thinking. And that's the part of the guilt that Captain Marvel feels that's driving this movie and why she felt so ashamed to go home and why she never went home because she thought she had to make this right. It's also her driving force for why she's so fiercely protective of the universe and trying to make the right choices. She's got a lot on her shoulders. But Zawe Ashen's character, she was an unassuming victim who stepped up to the plate to help her people. So Mm. I don't think that she was a psycho tyrannical type. In fact, those last moments where she goes and tries to kill Captain Marvel or um, what what did they call her? The Uh, Annihilator. It made no sense to her character at all. This is a woman who had to step up and help her people who've been left with no sun, no food, no water. They've spent how many years trying to keep these people alive, her people alive? She's actually not a bad guy. So in those those last moments in that fight with them, when they were trying to reason with her, and she's saying for, you know, for Hala, you know, for my people, if she had just been able to live and didn't snap back and try to kill uh, Carol and the rest of them, 
that would have been a great change of events for Marvel, something they've never done before. And they did the same thing with Christian Bale in Love and Thunder. Christian Bale's character, the killer of gods, he is right. These gods are tyrannical. One thing that me that we talked about on the phone, Steve, is how how these movies are very, very much propaganda for American imperialism or American mm. ideologies. And it pops up in every story they put out. The villain has to be a psychopath. He just can't be reasoned with. Her villain, she's not a villain. She mm. Captain Marvel is the villain to her because she left them in destitute. Mm-hmm. She did what she had to she had to do. She them trying to make her some tyrannical person in those last moments is what undid the power of her presence. If they if she had lived and said for Hala and made a peace agreement and Captain Marvel was able to really say, I'm sorry for what I did, and they kind of worked it out, they don't need to be besties, but they do need to find a well, and even at well, I guess Captain Marvel went and turned the sun back on with her amazing power. But maybe if you know Darben had lived and Captain Marvel said, I will do this for you, I will bring life back to this planet, mm-hmm. and took it away. That would have been such good writing. That is how you write a, a compelling villain. Yeah, because you know what? Darben is not a villain, she's an anti hero for her people. But Marvel has a problem with saying that. And I say this for all of the movies, especially in phase one to three, but they have a problem with creating empathetic anti-heroes, but they're okay to do it maybe in the shows, I guess, but these movies, they all, they're all the same. They just have to be so tyrannical and like crazy and they get lost in their purpose. How are you going to get lost in a purpose of trying to keep your planet alive when some super powered person came and left you in destitute? There's no, there's no reasoning with, with these types of villains when they write them this way. And I think, I truly think that would have saved the movie if they made that decision. And would have been a great redemption arc for Captain Marvel too, right? So the guilt she's carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me wonder if it's an issue of timing is because in the shows they have time to build the characters uh, and in the movies they don't, because as you were speaking, what you made me think of, now I'm completely switching um, genres sort of but I think about like the ending of Game of Thrones and how quickly they flipped the switch on uh Khaleesi right who was this compassionate leader who broke people out of slavery and gave them life again to like you know inheriting the madness of her father and indiscriminately killing a bunch of innocent people and then having to be murdered to be stopped from continuing that behavior right so um and, and that, I mean, Game of Thrones had lots of time, although the, the criticism there was that the last year was rushed as they're trying to close it out. So I wonder if it's an issue of timing um, or if it is just people don't know how to write real whole um, people and women specifically yeah. in that respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, again, I, I, even if the film was 20 minutes longer, they could have helped That's... a lot of that because here's, I agree with absolutely everything you both have said. I think she, the premise of her was interesting. Again, it all happened very quickly. I saw it twice and it was the second time I figured out what she was really trying to do because there was, it just seemed like it was, I understand that she was trying to help her people. I got that. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, she's not that bad. And then she killed half the Skrulls for just because reasons. And and I was like, oh, oh, she, okay. Um but as I'm watching it, I'm like, you have a story, you have a character, and you and and she becomes monster of the week. 
she becomes mm-hmm. she becomes the inquisitor or whatever the like you know or, or the, the, all those guys that sort of in the middle of the marvels movie just showed up yeah you know and it was like you could have you could have done something here and again it, it's funny because I, I in some ways i find it hard to be critical because ultimately like i'm not writing the thing so mm-hmm. i don't know but i'm sitting mm-hmm. here as a viewer saying this is what i didn't connect with but there was so much potential with her and i agree like i hadn't thought of it that way but if they had written her ending her finale a little better it might have felt a little more complete because when you first meet her she's just trying to look out for her people like they've had their yeah. lives ruined by this mm-hmm. other woman and it was never killing carol danvers was never the problem it was just leave us alone <laughs> it yes. was like but that's the I, point. She wasn't even Carol Danvers. She wasn't Captain Marvel. She was just an annihilator to them. She just came and she like took away everything from them and left them in destitute to, to starve and struggle. So mm. to them, it, this is D- Disney. I don't know if it's Disney or Marvel, or maybe they're just trying to keep it like camp for the kids who watch it to say there is evil and there is good. And there's no, there's no gray area, but it's, it's such a mistake it's a, such a writing mistake to keep writing these villains this way because it's suggesting that being all powerful makes you morally right. And that is not true. Yeah. And especially when we get into bringing in the X-Men, as I was telling Steve, they're not ready for X-Men because they don't know how to write anti-heroes. They don't know how to address that there are gray areas when it comes to power when it comes to people who are at the top and make the decisions when it comes to the gods in uh love and thunder the gods not all of them but most of them are greedy they don't care about humans they don't care about feeding them and you've got these people these civilians praying them thinking that oh all of the suffering is for a purpose wouldn't wouldn't that villain i can't remember his name the one christian bale played wouldn't it have been so much more sympathetic to for thor to say whoa like you guys are awful um i can understand why he hates us and why he's trying to kill us let me go try to make this right but to punish this person who's already been punished like think of somebody who's unhoused and has no food and has no clothes and holes in his shoes and has to sleep outside in the winter you're gonna tell that person that they're a psycho for trying to find ways to live they're crazy for robbing a tim hortons to get some food in their belly this is the way they're writing these villains is a mistake. And this is why I think this is where they're sacrificing story. And I think it, especially considering where we are today in society, like it's such a missed opportunity. Cause I think one of the things that happens quite regularly is that once somebody claims the moral high ground and I'll use air quotes for that, that kills the dialogue. Mm-hmm. What, what conversation can we have if you are morally superior? Mm-hmm. And right? it also highlights is Thanos really could Thanos really be the villain in phase one to three when you've got gods acting the way they do and four and five and Captain Marvel going and putting an entire planet in destitute and just being like, oh, this is fine until it's not fine. Mm. It completely dilutes yeah. the first part of the entire stories. Yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> this is a good point. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah i came prepared guys i'm like i, I really know you're you're oh, on fire. super exciting yeah. <laughs> yeah makes for absolutely great discussion and good insights yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um but that's what's going to kill me here because we are running out of time <laughs> uh, which i'm not trying this is so good i could keep going but this is usually where we start to wrap it up so um 
Oh, we should screen it or skip it. The Marvels. Screen it or skip it. This could be a tricky one. You go first, Mira. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm struggling with it. I, like, I would say screen it, but be okay with it not being your favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Like, don't, if you're going in expecting it to be the best one, you're going to be disappointed. But I still think it's worth a big screen experience. I say screen it. Yeah, definitely screen it. It's fun. Ultimately, it's fun. We're just a bunch of nerds who are really <laughs> in this stuff. We just really love talking about pop culture and movies and Marvel. So go screen it. You'll have a good time. <laughs> I'm going to cheat. Um, I, because I'm oh, like, you're going to stream it, aren't you? I'm going to stream it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a hey. Look, it's a big space opera, and it looks great on the big scene, big screen when it's when it's working. It's it's a lot of fun, and I also will also say I think this will be one of those movies like Avengers: Age of Ultron that you look back on and say that was actually an incredibly important piece. Yes, where this story ends up going. So as far because Age of Ultron, people were mixed on as well. But when you look back, it's like oh yeah, Age of Ultron was like essential to where they ended up going. I feel like this could be that film. I also feel like you could wait for Disney Plus. I I just do. I go back and forth. It's not. I I, I agree. I said I'm I'm mixed. Yeah. There are things I truly love about this film. I think this film makes makes uh, proves that Iman Vellani is the future Amazing. of Marvel. Yes. She's Tom yes. Holland. She's Tom Holland. You yeah. can build on her for the next five years, ten years. You can do it. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, Tayona Paris is wonderful in this film. Brie Larson is is very good in this film. I don't love her as much as you both do, but I think she's very good in this film. She's clearly mm -hmm. having more fun. But I'm yeah. okay with waiting till streaming on this one. That's just my opinion. I think it's important. Think... Yeah. Sir, you are wrong. Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> I think like, I claim I was... moral high ground. <laughs> I, I was Conversation's done. Over. Yeah, I was teetering between stream it and screen it, to be honest. So I hear you. I think um, the only reason I, I would say screen it over stream it is because I do think there's just some impact of the big screen of the base that kind of makes your heart rumble a yeah. bit um, yeah. for some of the visuals and, and the fight scenes. Although you did, and I know we finished talking about this, so I promise I'm not going to turn this into a huge conversation, but I'm very curious about if they'll ever put um uh ms marvel together with uh america chavez that would be kind yes. of a neat yeah oh, yes happen. that's the young the young avengers are being a formed formed as we speak they were not oh, that's gonna be pretty awesome i think yeah. that's gonna be really good yeah i think i think that'll be a lot of fun and i mean they've already i mean they flat out tell you that's what she's doing and and mm -hmm. actually i saw that and i went Oh, she's in charge. And I thought, no, she should be. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she's so good. Yeah. I, yes. oh. yeah. Love yeah. her. And uh the writers or not the writer strike, the the actor strike finished, I think, the day before the film released. I think that was yeah. when and the next night she's in screenings. Now I'm sure Marvel called her up and said, get going. But I mean she made an appearance in in a Toronto theater saying, Hey everybody, I'm here. That's I'm awesome. Like, she's I'm telling you. She's a, yeah. a likable person. Like I, I enjoy watching her and watching her interviews. She's doing good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they struck gold with her. I really do. I think she's yeah. she's delightful. Yeah. Um, 100%. All so. right, guys. 
Thank you both so, so much. Thank you, uh, Mira. Thank you. And Raven, you are wonderful. Thank you. You are welcome at any time. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I feel like I have a, a friends in a tribe now who also want to talk yes. about things. I'm so happy. You are welcome <laughs> into the Screenfish Fish Bowl. <laughs> happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you both. Um, and for you at home, a reminder, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. Uh, and you can like and subscribe to us on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, we are at Screenfish Online. And on YouTube, you can find us at Screenfish. And of course, if you go to the website at screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More, which are some small group questions to help you get the conversation started where you are. Uh, if you decide to talk about getting swallowed by a flurkin or the incredible togetherness that we see within the characters in this film is wonderful. Um, so again, thank you so much to you both. And for you at home, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish.